Section twenty of Man and Wife. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Shi Ping Ming. Man and Wife by Wilkie Collins. Fourth scene. Windy Gates. Chapter the Seventeenth. Near it. The library at Windygates was the largest and the handsomest room in the house. The two grand divisions under which literature is usually arranged in these days occupied the customary places in it. On the shelves which ran round the walls were the books which humanity in general respects and does not read on the tables distributed over the floor were the books which humanity in general reads and does not respect in the first class the works of the wise ancients and the histories biographies and essays of writers of more modern times otherwise the solid literature which is universally respected and occasionally read in the second class the novels of our own day otherwise the light literature which is universally read and occasionally respected at windygates as elsewhere we believed history to be high literature because it assumed to be true to authorities of which we knew little and fiction to be low literature because it attempted to be true to nature of which we knew less at windygates as elsewhere we were always more or less satisfied with ourselves if we were publicly discovered consulting our history and more or less ashamed of ourselves if we were publicly discovered devouring our fiction an architectural peculiarity in the original arrangement of the library favoured the development of this common and curious form of human stupidity while a row of luxurious armchairs in the main thoroughfare of the room invited the reader of solid literature to reveal himself in the act of cultivating a virtue a row of snug little curtained recesses opening at intervals out of one of the walls enabled the reader of light literature to conceal himself in the act of indulging a vice for the rest all the minor accessories of this spacious and tranquil place were as plentiful and as well chosen as the heart could desire and solid literature and light literature and great writers and small were all bounteously illuminated alike by a fine broad flow of the light of heaven pouring into the room through the windows that opened to the floor it was the fourth day from the day of lady lundie's garden party and it wanted an hour or more of the time at which the luncheon bell usually rang the guests at windy gates were most of them in the garden enjoying the morning sunshine after a prevalent mist and rain for some days past two gentlemen exceptions to the general rule were alone in the library 
they were the two last gentlemen in the world who could possibly be supposed to have any legitimate motive for meeting each other in a place of literary seclusion one was arnold brinkworth and the other was geoffrey de la main they had arrived together at windygates that morning geoffrey had travelled from london with his brother by the train of the previous night arnold delayed in getting away at his own time from his own property by ceremonies incidental to his position which were not to be abridged without giving offence to many worthy people had caught the passing train early that morning at the station nearest to him and had returned to lady lundie's as he had left lady lundie's in company with his friend after the short preliminary interview with blanche arnold had rejoined geoffrey in the safe retirement of the library to say what was still left to be said between them on the subject of anne having completed his report of events at craig fernie he was now naturally waiting to hear what geoffrey had to say on his side to arnold's astonishment geoffrey coolly turned away to leave the library without uttering a word arnold stopped him without ceremony not quite so fast geoffrey he said i have an interest in miss sylvester's welfare as well as in yours now you are back again in scotland what are you going to do if geoffrey had told the truth he must have stated his position much as follows he had necessarily decided on deserting anne when he had decided on joining his brother on the journey back but he had advanced no farther than this how he was to abandon the woman who had trusted him without seeing his own dastardly conduct dragged into the light of day was more than he yet knew a vague idea of at once pacifying and deluding anne by a marriage which should be no marriage at all had crossed his mind on the journey he had asked himself whether a trap of that sort might not be easily set in a country notorious for the looseness of its marriage laws if a man only knew how and he had thought it likely that his well-informed brother who lived in scotland might be tricked into innocently telling him what he wanted to know he had turned the conversation to the subject of scotch marriages in general by way of trying the experiment julius had not studied the question julius knew nothing about it and there the experiment had come to an end as the necessary result of the check thus encountered he was now in scotland with absolutely nothing to trust to as a means of effecting his release but the chapter of accidents aided by his own resolution to marry mrs glenarm such was his position and such should have been the substance of his reply when he was confronted by arnold's question and plainly asked what he meant to do the right thing he answered unblushingly and no mistake about it i'm glad to hear you see your way so plainly returned arnold in your place i should have been all abroad i was wondering only the other day 
whether you would end as i should have ended in consulting sir patrick geoffrey eyed him sharply consult sir patrick he repeated why would you have done that i shouldn't have known how to set about marrying her replied arnold and being in scotland i should have applied to sir patrick without mentioning names of course because he would be sure to know all about it suppose i don't see my way quite so plainly as you think said geoffrey would you advise me to consult sir patrick certainly he has passed his life in the practice of the scotch law didn't you know that no then take my advice and consult him you needn't mention names you can say it's a case of a friend the idea was a new one and a good one geoffrey looked longingly toward the door eager to make sir patrick his innocent accomplice on the spot he made a second attempt to leave the library and made it for the second time in vain arnold had more unwelcome inquiries to make and more advice to give unasked how have you arranged about meeting miss sylvester he went on you can't go to the hotel in the character of her husband i have prevented that where else are you to meet her she is all alone she must be weary of waiting poor thing can you manage matters so as to see her to-day after staring hard at arnold while he was speaking geoffrey burst out laughing when he had done a disinterested anxiety for the welfare of another person was one of those refinements of feeling which a muscular education had not fitted him to understand i say old boy he burst out you seem to take an extraordinary interest in miss sylvester you haven't fallen in love with her yourself have you come come said arnold seriously neither she nor i deserve to be sneered at in that way i have made a sacrifice to your interests geoffrey and so has she geoffrey's face became serious again his secret was in arnold's hands and his estimate of arnold's character was founded unconsciously on his experience of himself all right he said by way of timely apology and concession i was only joking as much joking as you please when you have married her replied arnold it seems serious enough to my mind till then he stopped considered and laid his hand very earnestly on geoffrey's arm mind he resumed you are not to breathe a word to any living soul of my having been near the inn i've promised to hold my tongue once already what do you want more i'm anxious geoffrey i was at craig fernie remember when blanche came there she has been telling me all that happened poor darling in the firm persuasion that i was miles off at the time i swear i couldn't look her in the face what would she think of me if she knew the truth pray be careful pray be careful geoffrey's patience began to fail him we had all this out he said on the way here from the station what's the good of going over the ground again you're quite right said arnold good-humouredly the fact is i'm out of sorts this morning 
my mind misgives me i don't know why mind repeated geoffrey in high contempt it's flesh that's what's the matter with you you are nigh on a stone over your right weight might be hanged a man in healthy training don't know that he has got a mind take a turn with the dumbbells and a run up hill with a great coat on sweat it off arnold sweat it off with that excellent advice he turned to leave the room for the third time fate appeared to have determined to keep him imprisoned in the library that morning on this occasion it was a servant who got in the way a servant with a letter and a message the man waits for answer geoffrey looked at the letter it was in his brother's handwriting he had left julius at a junction about three hours since what could julius possibly have to say to him now he opened the letter julius had to announce that fortune was favouring them already he had heard news of mrs glenarm as soon as he reached home she had called on his wife during his absence in london she had been invited to the house and she had promised to accept the invitation early in the week early in the week julius wrote may mean to-morrow make your apologies to lady lundie and take care not to offend her say that family reasons which you hope soon to have the pleasure of confiding to her oblige you to appeal once more to her indulgence and come to-morrow and help us to receive mrs Glenarm. even geoffrey was startled when he found himself met by a sudden necessity for acting on his own decision anne knew where his brother lived suppose anne not knowing where else to find him appeared at his brother's house and claimed him in the presence of mrs glenarm he gave orders to have the messenger kept waiting and said he would send back a written reply from craig fernie asked arnold pointing to the letter in his friend's hand geoffrey looked up with a frown he had just opened his lips to answer that ill-timed reference to anne in no very friendly terms when a voice calling to arnold from the lawn outside announced the appearance of a third person in the library and warned the two gentlemen that their private interview was at an end end of section twenty recording by shi ping ling